Welcome to the Bible Unbound podcast, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1. So we're focusing on Revelation chapter 1, verse 11 through 20. This is the great vision that God gave to the Apostle John, the vision of Jesus Christ, who is the theme of the book of Revelation. The first five words of the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you get that one thing right, that is the theme of the book, then you know more than probably 90% of the Christians who surround you in your day-to-day life. If you can say to them that the book of Revelation is about Jesus Christ, not a ten-nation confederacy or cobra helicopters with stingers in their tails or what's happening in the nation of Israel currently, etc. Getting that one theme right will be the most helpful thing you can explain to them about the book. And one of the primary launch pads from which John begins to unfold the visions in the book of Revelation, is this primary introductory vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've noticed the theme of the vision. It was Christ in his glory, with his glowing white raiment, his eyes like a flame of fire, these figures that are taken from the book of Daniel that describes, there in Daniel chapter 7, the Ancient of Days, But in John's theology, it is now the Lord Jesus Christ, who was throughout the Old Testament seen as the second Yahweh figure, that is the uh, angel of the Lord, who so often appeared as the Christological type of who would eventually come in the days of the Lord and of his flesh and of his incarnation. So we saw the central theme of the vision. Then we looked at the scope or the breadth of the vision. Who was the vision for? Well, it was not just for John because fragments of the vision are then splintered off and are stated in the introductory or the conclusion parts of each one of the letters that was written to the churches of Asia Minor. He who has eyes like a flame of fire He who has a sharp two-edged sword from his mouth, he who was dead and is now alive forevermore, these phrases are used to introduce or conclude each one of the letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor. This morning we want to look into John's response to the vision of Christ, and that's found particularly in chapter 1, verse 17 through verse 20, John's response to the vision of Christ. Notice verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. 
As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. We want to focus this morning on just that phrase in verse 17 that when John saw this vision, it says he fell at his feet as though dead. So why would John have this kind of a response, especially to one whom he knew so well? Well, of course, the Lord Jesus is being presented in a way that is different than John had seen him. He saw a glimpse of this on Mount Transfiguration. He also saw it in Christ's post-resurrection appearances. But this is even different. This is presented in a vision that was to be massively instructive both for John and to the churches to whom the letters in chapters 2 and 3 were sent. But really, throughout the Bible, the kind of response that we see in John is typical when there were actual striking visions of God. At the end of the book of Job, Job is brought to a place where he actually hears the voice of God. And he says, once I have heard with the ear, but now my eyes see and I repent in dust and ashes. Isaiah chapter 6, when he saw the great vision, he says, Woe is me, for I am undone. Or the prophet Ezekiel, he says in chapter 1, When I saw the appearance of the glory of the Lord, I threw myself face down. Similarly, Daniel, Daniel 10 and other places, where there was a vision of this mighty one. Well, why would a vision of Christ be so humbling for John, so unraveling. Well, one of the reasons is that vision, whenever it occurs, a biblical vision of God or of Christ or of the work of the Holy Spirit, vision defines. God was being defined for all these men who had these visions, and John is in a place to see Christ defined in newness of his glory and of his ascended power and wisdom and grace. So when men are struck with a vision to see God as he is, to see God defined for who he is and themselves for who they are, that vision, that shift in perspective, that priority adjustment occurs in a way that is earth-shattering as it was with John. So spiritual vision is all about perspective change. This is why vision defines. Let me illustrate it this way. One of the most notable explosions or perspective shifts that the culture has ever realized is what's known as the Copernican Revolution. The ancient astronomer and mathematician Copernicus suggested that rather than the sun orbiting the earth, the earth being 
the central point of our solar system, that it was actually the reverse, that the Earth orbited around the sun, and the sun was the center of our solar system. That was a major perspective shift in science and in culture. Or another illustration, imagine you're fishing with your son and he's out in the boat, you've gotten onto the bank for a moment, and he realizes that he forgot to put the oars into the boat when he departed the shore. He just kind of kicked himself off and out the boat went. So he's calling out to you and he's saying, please throw me a rope, dad, throw me a rope. And so you throw him the rope and you're holding on tight while he pulls it. And suddenly he calls out to you again and he says, look, dad, the land is coming toward the boat. Everything is moving right toward me. And of course, it was the opposite. The boat was coming closer to shore. But in terms of his own perspective, that's how he viewed it at that point. And so a vision of God dominates us in the fact that it defines God for who he really is, replacing our low and our fleeting and our superficial thoughts of God with reality of just who he is. He is the center of the universe. That boy in the boat thought that he was the center of the universe and everything was coming toward him when it was exactly the opposite. And that's exactly what many Christians in our day need to see. They need to see a perspective shift about God, about Christ, about the blessed Holy Spirit. Those are the things that the book of Revelation are precisely geared to do for us. Remember, there are not only promises to the readers in the book of Revelation made concerning victory, the victory of Christ and his church over the forces of darkness, but there are also seven beatitudes, seven blessings to the readers of the book of Revelation. And one of those blessings will no doubt be the blessing of a divine shift in your perspective about who Christ is. Well, in closing, I just want to say one last thing about vision, and that is it not only defines God and defines the self, but it also dominates. Vision dominates. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So not only was Jesus defined for John, but the vision of Jesus also dominated him. Remember, his response initially was, in verse 17, he fell down as dead. It dominated him, as it did Job and Isaiah and Peter and the others who experienced this kind of vision of the divine being. So vision dominates in the sense that it displaces the human will and brings the soul to surrender. 
So at this point, I think it's safe for me to suggest that you have probably never had the kind of vision that John has, or Isaiah, or Job, or Ezekiel, Paul, Peter, Moses, and you probably never will. But that does not mean that the concept of vision is irrelevant, quite the contrary. But we'll take up more about that, and about the subject of vision, and what it means to us personally in our next podcast episode. For now, I want to thank you for joining with me today, and I hope that in the Lord you have a very blessed day until we speak again. Thank you. Bye-bye.